Hi everyone, we're at the Twitter office. We just ate a good lunch and we're with On and Ed. And I have Sai with me from Girls Who Code. And um, yeah, we're gonna get started. Hi, my name's On. I'm a full stack software engineer at Twitter. I've been here for four and a half years now and I joined as a new grad. I went to a liberal arts, um, small liberal arts in Pennsylvania before this. Ed? Sure. Hi, my name's Ed. I'm a design engineer here. I lead the design systems and tooling side of things. I have been here for four years. I joined from a different startup where I was a software engineer before, and I went to college in Canada at the University of Waterloo. Yeah, so you guys both are very accomplished, so we wanted to throw it back a little bit and kind of ask, what was your first exposure to STEM, and how did how did that leverage your experience into working for a social media giant like Twitter? Um, my first experience was actually fairly negative. I, so I took computer science in high school and I hated it. I thought like, I didn't understand why, like what's the, what's the point of Java? Like you write so much code just to like count to 10 and like spit out a number. And so I didn't really understand the syntax or like why I had to be sort of verbose. And it felt like I was just memorizing syntax in order to pass the compiler. But that it really took me like like all of college, I studied computer engineering and like six different internships to really learn how to do the thing and then enjoy what I was doing. So it took me a lot longer. Yeah, and I really had a lot of doubts along the way. Um, I actually am curious, so you didn't like it in high school, so what led you to continue doing computer science into college? Well, I think I think the answer is evident in my parents in the sense that like I had a choice between medicine and engineering. And so I chose engineering out of like I just I'm not good at medicine either. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That's actually a good um question too because I was double majoring with sociology because oh. I'm really into social sciences. Like I care about like other people's well-being. I want to learn like as an international student coming from Vietnam, I want to learn these more more about these things about America in general. So I was faced with the options of if I want to be a social worker, working social services, policy making, or I want to go to the technical route of becoming a software engineer. And I chose software engineering because it's, it's an easier path in my opinion. Like I, I've seen social workers, I've you know interned at different social services and I feel like that type of work is more abstract and I want something concrete, some concrete pro problems to solve and then maybe use the rewards that I gain from my job in software engineering to give back to society. Yeah, it's great how you're able to pursue both of your passions. I think not a lot of people are able to do that. Um, leading us more into the tech industry, Sai and I were wondering how you are able to build meaningful relationships and connect with higher ups. Putting yourself out there. Like if you think, let's say if it's a um, Twitter Asian event, um, oh, it might not be directly related to tech, but you meet different people in that and you never know who you will end up talking to. So when I first joined Twitter, I went to a lot of events just because I'm curious. I'm, I really want to participate, be part of a community. But also through these events, I met the, direct, the director of ads um, and when I was branching out, I talked to him and he was like, oh, I know a team that is hiring. Let me connect you to that manager. Mm -hmm. So then I didn't talk to him because of this um, purpose, right? So it was, so 
So I guess like, it start with the curiosity mind and putting yourself out there. And I think to add to what Ann says, one of the things that you get, the best you can do is realize that a lot of times if you ask for something, say a promotion, a team, or salary, whatever it is, it's, it can be no, which is hard to take, but it just means no for now. Mm-hmm. And if you at least, you're aware of that, you're like that in a, a year from now, it might be yes. And if they know you want this and you know you want this, it's like you're communicating on the same level. But if you withhold what it is that you want out of your career or with your manager or with people in general, they they can only reward you if they know this is what you want. So just like, just being like, hey, look, I'm looking for this position. I'm looking to elevate my level or whatever it is. They're aware of that. You work towards that. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, it's good to ask. Yeah, I really like that. Like, no for now. Yeah. So you should always ask and not be afraid. I think that's a big struggle for people, whether it's like promotion or, you know, asking for a job raise or something like that. And it kind of just leads to trying to advocate for yourself and not really feel that you've been quantified by your work in the sense where you're trying to say, trying to prove yourself worth through the work that you've done. Yeah, I mean, I I I have two minds on this. I have started to believe that sometimes your work doesn't speak for yourself. So it's like no matter how great of a work you've done, if you cannot sell it to leadership in a way that they understand it or be a, a an advocate for yourself, no one is gonna recognize you because it just it's too much work for someone to dig through all the work and realize that you're attached to all of them. So for one of the things that is. It's just a byproduct of how it works is when you are going up for promotion or for an interview or even if you're an internship and you know you want a full-time job you got to start asking right away you just got to start like posting and like basically creating your own profile there in order for someone to recognize you because you may think you're doing great work and you probably are but it's like how many people are seeing the details of your work if you don't present it mm-hmm. i definitely um a plus one on that point <laughs> where um we talk a lot in terms of slack emojis yeah that's why one. plus one um is about um how you demo and de- demonstrate your work mm-hmm. proactively even just little 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 daily um in daily life um on your for example engineering we have engineering stand up um it's a chance for you to just dem- demonstrate your work i learn this from other peer engineers that oh this is such a small change but they talk about how they add full test cases and how they're coming to these other problems that they were trying trying to solve this problem and it presented it and i'm like oh i can totally do this and i never think of think about just demonstrate this and showcase my knowledge so seek the opportunities and insert yourself in those opportunities just to demonstrate your work um so we also have core apps all hands which is like a um um monthly call for ads engineer to showcase their work and like my i was setting the goal for okay one day i want to be on this call and so then i seek out to opportunities that make direct impacts for advertisers and i make this clear to my uh, managers to hey i want to work with um, problems that is closer to our users and I want to build these features um, so he's aware and he was he put me on the right opportunities that led to you know new features that launched to advertisers this past January and I was on the core at all hands presenting that Yay. project yeah so it was a very rewarding and and 
why it happened because I set that goal and I asked for it. I think it's a, I think there was like a study back in the day showing that men will apply to a job if they're like 60% qualified, but women won't unless they're like 90% qualified. And so wow. it's just like one of those things where like you're waiting until you are so good that they have to recognize you and they have to promote you. But there's people out there who's like barely passing the bar and saying, hey, give me that promotion. And if the business is doing well and the manager likes you, they'd be like, why not? Right. So it's like you, you, it's, you can't wait until you're perfect at the job because at that point, like getting that incremental bump or incremental um, improvement is almost like it's almost like you have to have it versus taking the risk even when you aren't extremely qualified is part of playing the game, unfortunately. I guess you can also apply that for like um, new grads interviewing or internship interviewing. Yeah. Obviously students like don't know everything, like you know, like you're not expected to, but I feel like a lot of times, at least I do, like feel the pressure like, oh my god, maybe I don't know enough, like should I even be applying for this job? Or like when you are interviewing, I guess, like what do you look for? Like if, if a student is like feeling this yeah, way. For sure. I mean like when I interview students and for like internships or for full time, it's like I I I don't need you to know the answer. I don't need you to be so qualified that I'm just gonna give you the job. As long as I see an ability to to learn how to get there and uh, a enjoyment of the work, that's all that matters. Because at the end of the day, it's like you probably have done a lot of different things. If you within the first month here, I'll know if you can do the job well. And it's just like a matter of like enjoying the work and doing the work. And it's for students who are looking at a job description going like I don't qualify. There's people who lie on their resume. They don't qualify either. It's just like, give it your shot, try it. And if you get an opportunity to study for it, because sometimes it's, sometimes it's about lucking into things. Yeah. And going back to advocating for yourself um, topic, another thing I find really helpful is choose one thing and be really good at it. So you become an expert in that domain so that everyone who has a question about that thing comes to you. So that one thing that, so when you ask, oh, if you're a new hire, if you just started out in the industry, how can you ask for those opportunities? That's how. Like you become an expert in something that everyone comes to you for support. And that's naturally puts you in your leadership position of, oh, yes, I can make changes and improvement to the systems because I know it so well. Mm -hmm. um, so when you work on a project as a student um, or an internship don't just focus on your day-to-day -day task or your immediate um, goals of the project look at the bigger picture how is this project how are the system touching other systems what is the architecture why they do things this way and what can I do to improve it know really well about all the surrounding systems that you also work with so that you can identify it first, it helps you in your day-to-day, -day, right? Like if you come up with a problem, oh, this is a database issue, I'm gonna talk to a database team, this is the other two. So then you become more autonomous as well as an engineer yeah. or as a project uh, driver. Um, and then documentation, uh, writing docu documents, like showcase, that also um, an artifact that you can showcase your work. Um, because I know this system so well, I can write this whole end-to-end -end workflow of this user interface and everyone who has a question come to my document that one thing how do you like i guess this is like kind of like a personal or like it depends on the person question but how do you figure out like 
what to kind of expertise in when because like out of college you kind of learn a bunch of new things it's not like you learn like one thing or you could specialize in college right but how do you figure out that specialization when you don't have much experience yeah for me um it comes with experience so like definitely if you're a student and you have time try different things try out different things like I work on um my, my internship experiences I mainly work with React and front-end only. Mm -hmm. um, so that gains me the interest of working more in front-end and building user interface, user experience. Um, but when I started out at Twitter, I was given, I was on a full-stack full team and I was given back-end tasks as well. So then this exposed me to um, the back-end. So it depends like on your um first of all yeah try different things see what you like i like the front end path so i started out at twitter as the front end path as well because that's what i'm good at and that's what i like but then with this opportunity i was able to expose be exposed to different um other systems like back end database schema design um and that's how i naturally become a full stack engineer yeah. but even with full stack um i guess the expertise here it doesn't need to be just technical skills it can be a product insights like if you really like you know like twitter like scalability problem know really well about it as a student like how can twitter scale so good what is the security challenges um and then if you really want to focus i mean you're the ui ux engineer you focus more on that experience so then how can i improve customers yeah customers experience using the product right um, what are the little things um, that I need to look into? Yeah. Just, like, don't be afraid to like try new things, like even if you haven't, you know, ever done it before. Like that's very close to heart. The topic, like <laughs> yeah. imposter syndrome, I still have it. Um, even at this stage in the in my um, career, first started out. No, not even started out as a new grad. Like being a student, um, failing a lot of. Um, technical interviews yeah. getting a lot of rejections from company those definitely hurt my like hurt my belief in myself right yeah. but um for me what helped a lot is I found a great mentor that keep that believed in me and pushed me mm -hmm. and have the credibility that show that he's he's credible meaning like he was a successful software engineer and mm -hmm. he believed in me so then well, if he can do it, I can do it too. Right. So then why, yeah, why stop? So then he, so that mentor, that, so then, yeah, finding the support system that really believe in you and push you forward. Not even, not only the professionals out there, just your peers as well, where you work on problems together. I practice a lot with my friends and we pushed each other forward as well um, because we struggle with the same thing. We have the same rejections and yeah, we just keep going. Um, so that's as a student. And then when I started out as a, as a new hire, I worked with a lot of senior and staff engineers, mm -hmm. not a lot of new grads around me. So that my imposter syndrome definitely worsened because of that, because I feel like, oh, I'm not as comp uh, competent as other engineers. Um, so that's when I realized maybe this team isn't my, for me because I don't get enough opportunity to show that. I'm capable of becoming, um, performing higher at the higher level. Right. So then I seek out opportunities. Other, either like within the same team, um, more meaty projects, like more technical projects that I can lead or drive, or I switch team and look for um, 
opportunity that I can actually perform at a senior level. Yeah, so then it's about like assess self-awareness, assessing yourself, okay, and assessing your surroundings. Do I have the right opportunity to shine here? With respect to imposter syndrome, it's, it's kind of like, um, on the one hand, you know, some people say fake it till you make it and stuff like that. I'm in the personal belief that like, you know, if it takes a long time to get good at something, then it's worth doing. And it's just more enjoyable when it's something difficult and worth doing. I was just gonna say like having like a growth mindset, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Twitter loves that word. <laughs> yeah, we love the word growth mindset. Could you explain that? Because I always hear it and I did hear it when I did the Girls Who Code Summer Mission program, but I also want everyone to hear it here because I think that's a great term. Yeah, for sure. So so there's like it's like goal I think it's goal oriented versus growth oriented mindset mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so on the one hand one person will measure themselves based on the grades they get and hitting a goal and thinking i'm good at math so therefore i should get high 90s in math versus another person who might be like a growth oriented mindset might just be like i just want to learn i want to know this problem i want to just get better and they only care about the incremental gains that they get along the way and they don't define themselves as someone who's good at math or bad at this or good at that they just go like they, it's kind of like having the idea and recognizing that anybody can be pretty good at anything as long as they put in the work and you, you just enjoy the growing part of it. You don't go like, you're not limiting yourself based on what you're quote unquote talented at versus not. And having that mindset shift kind of takes the pressure off of being like having to be good at something, but instead going like, oh, everyone starts out not good at something and they just like grow into it. Pull out um, a parrot dime shift when you've just graduated college coming into the industry where the mindset of being in school where you got you know your self-worth based on grades based on the authority of your teachers based on the achievements that you have and it's also a fixed problems that you have to solve okay there's are these assignments very clear requirements i just have to do these things to get these a's b c grades Mm -hmm. but in the workplace it's the the paradigm shift um, of thoughts shift here is the problems are not concrete. You have to define the problems yourself that you want to solve. And you have to know that um, you have to be comfortable with failures, trial and failures. Um, that's one thing that I saw in myself now differently compared to when I first started as a new grad. Okay, with a new code base, I'm so scared to make change, code changes there. Oh my God, it's so complicated. Like, I would never get it. But now, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's just dive in. Let's just, okay, see what this does, what that does. And and it starts simply with just you believe in yourself that um, when you read this code, you will understand it. If you don't, then you have all the support around you to to help. So then, oh, yes. And then willing to ask the right questions too. So... Like ask, only ask in public space so that people know that you're working um, on a certain things and that also a knowledge sharing for others who might have the same simple questions, but maybe they don't know. Um, and that's also is less disruptive for your mentors or whoever is supporting you. Um, and then asking the right question here, what I meant is you already go through certain steps to get to, um, to, get to these solutions and it doesn't work. So then at the context of, hey, I'm looking into the, these other things that I've tried, but hasn't worked, can someone point me to, that, to the right resources? Instead of asking, how can I do this? Because they will have to go through the same steps that you, you do. So yeah, so then be aware of that mindset shift when you graduated college is, is good too. It's 
uh, actually really good advice in general because most people kind of look at it more from like the technical side like oh I need to improve you know coding this and this but it also comes with improving yourself mentally and having the confidence yeah I guess I'm going to shift a little bit um, just because I'm curious about this question and I hear a lot of my peers talk about this there's always this like should I work for a startup or should I work for, you know, like a big thing or like a social media giant? Yeah, so like a startups, you, it, you, you live and breathe work a little bit more. So you work a lot more hours and you, you like go on um, offsites with teams to go bowling and like you know everyone and et cetera. So it can feel very much like, like a great experience in the sense that you, you get, get to taste the culture of, of tech and um, you get to learn a lot more things, but you what you lack is you don't get to focus on specialize on anything in particular, because a lot of the times you have to put out fires or make sure make like big changes in terms of the back end or or like site reliability stuff, just like server stuff, and as well as the front end features and be a little bit like a product manager as well. Whereas at a bigger company, at least for me, I've been able to specialize and really hone in on specific problems, and so it just it's a matter of like what level of ownership you want. Like, do you want really broad ownership where you might be doing different roles, like being a scrum master one day and being a software engineer the next, or do you, would you prefer to be like really focused on some technical problems? Like that's my perspective. Um, to add to that startup experience, it's also you get less resources because everyone else is so busy in their own job because they have to wear so many hats. For example, like I have an engineer lead that also play the role of a plot product manage management where because they don't have a PM team and maybe learn the design skill and how to create um, a new design access for the company as well so they have they don't have time to mentor you and as a new grad or as a student I found it really hard to have to have to debug and have to work on my own um, where I wanted to uh, I wanted to collaborate more with other engineers so that I can grow. Um, so then in, yeah, in a big tech companies, you have all that resources and there's like a program that designed for you for new grads and you have other engineers that are at the same stage with you so you can share experiences and talk about imposter syndrome and then yeah, see that other people also have the same thing. Um, yeah, like I was pretty big with the woman women in engineering at Twitter group. So then we talk about these things and we have round table discussion and we have mentorship program that That's specifically great. for female engineers. With also, I think one, one of my best experiences in my work has been working at a startup when we have like this Friday front end, all, all hands where it's just like 15 of us, we get in a room and someone presents something technical and someone like will talk about it. And it's just like a really nice way to end your week and enjoy like a job. I feel like there, if you don't count pay, there's a lot of things that are started with. It just feels like you're part of a, a group of people trying to tackle a problem. And when that number expands be beyond like 400, 500 people, it becomes so many people that it becomes difficult to have the same like group dynamic versus at a small company, it's like, you know, you pretty much know everyone. Like you can have conversations with the CEO pretty regularly and like you learn insights through that. Um, I guess I'm also like interested in, cause you guys are very like accomplished and have come a long way in this tech industry. So from your perspective and insight, where do you think the tech world is probably gonna head in the next five years? I know this is like a huge, like open-ended question, but- it's just For sure. Um, 
I'm often wrong with this stuff. Like I, I really liked Google Glass. I really liked like three D printing, and those things went nowhere. Um, but the one area that I am actually not part of, but it looks like it's going to be very impactful, is like uh, it's obviously like ML and AI in the sense that like if you've seen Dali, or like the generator for images. Or um, if you look at some of the natural language processing stuff, it's just like people are, or like what was it called again, Copilot for GitHub, like coding with some AI injected code. Yeah, it, yeah. so it's it's like, wow. it's making it really accessible to describe what it is you need to do in order for code to be generated as a, as opposed to for developers to like almost like artisans like like sculpt the code out of thin air and it's like one of those things where it's like if you can tell a database like Airtable like here's what I need and it can generate the queries and etc you don't really need as many experts and it becomes more accessible and etc so it's like either it's working on the UI that that interfaces with these models and being able to collect data and etc or it's or it's like working on the models themselves as a data scientist data engineer it's like that's probably where we're heading where a lot of jobs would become like, you just design it in a Figma and it becomes a website. You don't need to code it up yourself. Mm. Um, Another, I guess, area that I see a lot of potentials is data science. Mm. Um, I mean, it, it, it's been growing a lot along with computer science, but um, uh, I, I took a big data class in my senior year of college and read the book, um, Weapon of Math, Math, sorry weapon of mass destruction um that talk about how big data is changing uh, understanding big data and the meaning of um these massive data that we collected using algorithm really makes an impact uh, in life um and especially how the algorithm might have biases like you we've all seen how social media impact can impact us negatively and we've seen so many documentaries on netflix like there's a social dilemma documentary yeah i wish that was very popular yeah um so then i think the shift in tech now is to be more social aware yeah like uh, more focused on the humanitarian Mm -hmm. and how to use these tools for example data science to understand the data that we have from people um, so I, I, I'm really excited for that area to grow and even for myself to pick up more on that. Because for now, just like working day to day, I launched this project, but what is the impact of this, um, of this product that I built? Um, it's from the data scientists that I work with and they able, they're able to write these queer, massive queries from these ma- massive data to show, oh, there's X percent of growth in this users behaving in certain way in on the on the website okay how can i actually do that myself because like i want to understand the impact myself right and measure success or failures um so yeah that's my take on i guess out of curiosity i was just wondering the ratio of your team men to women and how that situation is improving and if there are more women that are joining the tech force my team's actually a pretty good ratio. Um, a lot, my managers and tech lead right now is a female engineer. Um, we have more female engineers than male engineers on our team. Oh, we love that. Um, uh, I think it also depends on the area of tech. Yeah. Um, 
but without like data specific data i can't really mm -hmm. put a generalization oh maybe yeah, back end has more male engineers like i don't want to make those assumptions but on my team right now it's diverse and i like that i felt i feel comfortable speaking up and having support systems um and other female engineers that also have these it's the same feelings of oh maybe crying in a meet crying not in a meeting but like crying about work and be so stressed about work is okay and like be so obsessive about your performance and your what you set in the meetings is okay um and i i'm able to openly talk about that um but i just looking back on that what kind of led you guys to want to you know ed for you to be an ally for an important cause like this and then um on for you to also want to support woman in that sense yeah i mean like for me some of the best leaders and ic's i've met have been women i think this is correct me if i'm wrong but like i suspect it's because when you grow up as a minority or someone who's different who doesn't have who don't have all like the the privilege to be able to do things and people just assume you're good at things you do have to work a little bit harder and the people who survive that who end up being like in senior leadership positions are exceptional and it and just so happens that some of the women who do that are really really exceptional almost to the point that maybe they've been under leveled up until now their career and so i've looked at them and they've also treated me very fairly because mm -hmm. like bringing it back to what we talked about in the beginning about being recognized for your work when you are assumed to be good at your job people just give you pay increases promotions but when you have to really work for it, it's hard to be recognized. But if someone else also had to work for it, they recognize that in you. Mm -hmm. So like I've plotted in my career, like who of my managers have given me the highest pay raises? It's women. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's, it's like one of those things where I recognize like, you know, being a minority person myself, that it's sometimes you have to have some headwinds to recognize what it means to go through like a more difficult career and what it means to prove yourself. And by give, like, I feel like giving back to the community and mentoring women and also hiring interns who are women engineers is like a way to help balance things because sometimes it's just the system is not built to allow everyone the same privileges to go through like you like i went to engineering school you go in class there's 10 girls and a hundred guys and it's like no when you're that small of a minority in a space it can just feel uncomfortable and it, it it's just not it's like if it was 50 50 then we wouldn't have to have this conversation but you know it is what it is yeah and then for me it's personal experience like i understand how hard it is to to be a female student in computer science uh computer science class to graduate with that degree mm -hmm. to enter tech um and for me now even to stay in the tech industry right so i want to i want to keep more female engineers in the tech industry because of these stress like system systemic biases and um problems uh, female engineers might don't might not want to continue their career mm -hmm. um but we're here the fact that we're here is important because it diversify the opinions in the meetings it creates a support system for other women girls women that want to become engineers so yeah and it, it, and it creates better creative ideas because if you have a lot of people who 
think the same way, speak the same way. They just them saying yes, yes, yes. I agree with that. I agree、mm-hmm. with that. But you need some voices that say something different or have a different life experience to bring up points that you may not know. I guess like that's how you also cater like to being your user experience like all your users too like you'll understand like all your users are usually not all the same either, so you need like that diversity in teams to kind of like, to create a diverse solution to like a yeah, di- a problem that caters to diverse people. Yeah, creating I mean, an a lot to learn from here. Like you know, just believing in yourself and not like being so hard on yourself and like. Confidence is key. <laughs> yeah, 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 or just just apply to the job. Like, don't. <laughs> yeah, apply to the job. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Yeah. yeah.、Mm-hmm. What did you say? No is. What was it? It's like it's no a no for, for now. No, yeah, no for now. Exactly, <laughs> no for now. Yeah. <laughs> Guys. And thank you, cause like even doing this podcast is like being an ally and supporting it, because I'm sure there're going to be, you know, men allies and then also women that hear this podcast.